0: Welcome to the Nerd Party.
1: Welcome to Great Shot Kid, the podcast on the Nerd Party Network that looks at the behind the scenes and technical aspects of all the films that you love to watch and talk about. I'm John. And I'm Mike. And we are, of course, coming at you from the Nerd Party. You can go to thenerdparty.com slash contact, look up a... Great Shot Kid, and go ahead and drop us a line. You can also go over on Twitter at Join Nerd Party, use the hashtag GreatShotKid Kid, and let us know you're thinking of us. And go over to Facebook or Instagram where you can find us as The Nerd Party. Now, we are going to kick things off this week because uh, the day that we are recording, the new rumor has broken, Mike. The new rumor has broken about Episode 9 that a big name is tied with Episode 9.
0: Billy D. Williams. Oh, is that what it was? Because yeah. I saw a headline which said, um Uh could a new a new old character be coming to episode nine? And I thought, I suppose it he could. I don't know. Who? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll find out in a few years. Yeah. So, you there, know, there's you know your room. I mean, that's obviously, you know, that'd be cool and everything like that. And, you know, you hear the stories about how like Benicio del Toro's character was initially sort of envisioned as Lando or to be Lando and everything, which you can totally tell why they didn't do that because it doesn't fit at all. But, Correct. you know, it's like I, I'm totally down for that, although someone randomly on the Internet said one random thing which now ruins anything involving Lando which is not this. Someone was like they need to do a Lando movie in the style of Godfather 2 with Billy D Williams and Donald Glover in flashback and flash forward. That would be pretty awesome.
1: Yes. I would love the heck out of that. That would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and I want that now too. Darn right. It, why did you share it with me? <laughs> why did you do that to me? That's not fair, man. I was living perfectly happy until you said that. Now now I'm sitting here I'm thinking, "Oh wow, yeah, that would be really cool." I could and you know, for anybody that would say like, "Well, they don't look exactly alike." Yeah, Robert De Niro doesn't exactly look like a young Marlon Brando either. And uh, you're left there if you really stare at The Godfather Part Two. Did he get the mole removed? Did it get shot off? What happened there? But, wow, that would be a tremendous film to watch.
0: I would be so interested in that. Speaking of Robert De Niro, since we're talking about weird rulers and everything, did you hear this rumor from some random place, which probably isn't true at all? No. Um, They are pursuing... Robert De Niro to be in this Joker movie that they're doing with Joaquin Phoenix? That's bold. Yeah. That's really, really bold. Um, I mean, I know Scorsese's mm. producing, but still, you know?
1: Well, I mean, that instantly puts De Niro's name in the ring. You know, like, it's... Yeah, yeah, I could see... I mean, the thing is, if they're going to follow the idea of doing something that ties him to the mob i mean de niro i mean that's just sort of like in a sense like a lazy thought process but when somebody says mob movie you tend to be like de niro
0: you know it's just like yeah. pops in your brain well since they keep on saying like this movie's gonna be like taxi driver you know uh, i mean yeah yeah but yeah i i don't know
1: i mean sure why not i mean you know the, the, isn't this the cycle? I mean, even with the Billy D. the Billy D. Williams rumor has a, a great amount of heft to it from my perspective, because I mean, the sequel trilogy has been all about bringing back the old characters and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, giving them a swan song sometimes and, and stuff like that. I mean, I made a joke, uh, on Twitter, um, uh, with, um, uh, with, with one of our mutual friends, uh, and I, I said, one ending idea is Billy D, you know, pops into the room and says, What did I miss? And then the credits roll and that's the end of episode nine. <laughs> or uh you can have uh because he mentioned nine nub, you could have Lando and Nine Nub standing at all of the graves just standing mm-hmm. there looking at and then they both look at each other and Lando just says, Honestly, I never thought we'd be the ones to survive <laughs> credits roll. So nine nubs still alive, right? Yeah, they've said that's him in the uh, in episodes seven and eight. And he didn't
0: die in that thing, right?
1: I don't think so. I still have to go yeah. back and rewatch it, I guess. But I don't recall him dying. I know Akbar's dead now. Yeah, he's dead. Um, yeah. But the thing is, everybody forgets about also Ten Nub, who was a B-wing pilot in Return of the Jedi nine ten yeah uh, i got it that's the name i names. got it was that's that, that yours or was nope. that a real name that is a real name that of is you can go, is. you can go look that well because the thing is they didn't name these these characters with like any sense of you, look when the prequels came about lucas was all about using in jokes because he knew people were going to pay attention to these characters and so like orn free was like how his son said corn Fritter or something like that one time. And it was like, oh, Orn Frita. And, uh, and and those sorts of things. But
0: back then, it was just like background creature number 12 and right. stuff like that. And, and that's why you get, like, Snaggletooth and stuff like that, which right. is all good. But, you know, when you have, like, Porkins, whose canonical first name is now Jack. Yes. Because some random person, some random place heard someone who was saying Eject uh, say Jack in their weird mind, and all of a sudden his name is Jack Porkins, because Porkins wouldn't be a nickname. It would actually be his last name.
1: I, yeah, I, you know, I I ignore that part of it, I guess, because if the name doesn't appear in the credits as that, I mean, the thing is, if you're going to go by credits names, Star Trek Six still has the most glaring credits error uh, in the history of any science fiction film by listing Uhura as Uhuru. Still, I don't remember that. Oh yes, no look look at uh, look at the credits in Star Trek Six. That last letter should be an A, and it's a U.
0: The one the one I always think of is uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, because Sepido um, is listed as Satipo. Well. I think they say it both ways in the film too, don't they? I don't think so. I think it's
1: just sepedo. Okay. Well, yeah, because I, I know that definitely Indy says sepedo. Yeah.
0: Yes. Uh. Yeah. They screw. You know, it's and funny you, you, never, you, you never you never hear them say tote, but I think it's listed in the credits as tote. Yes, it
1: is listed in the, and no, they never do say uh, tote. Um. Yeah. yeah, you're right. They don't. Although, of course, you know, I mean, if we're going to be talking about credits, you always think about the fact that uh, James Earl Jones didn't actually get a credit until Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, although they've gone back and changed that in the special editions. And so, yes, he does now. And what is reality anymore? Because things get blurred. But
0: uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of Robert De Niro, I just because because I'm 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 doing this now. Um, you know we've got the 10th anniversary of Dark Knight coming up soon, and I just randomly stumbled across a list of um the movies which um Christopher Nolan showed the crew. Yeah, because apparently they did like a two day essentially film fest where they showed four movies a day. Nolan showed the cast and crew four movies a day to prepare for Dark Knight. I mean, that's a common thing. You know, like on Magnolia, they showed, you know, like Network and Nashville and stuff like that. You know, I mean, they do that stuff all the time. But, yeah, so they had the list of, like, the eight movies. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to watch these. So I watched the first one, which was Heat. Yeah. Which I've only seen once all the way through, and it was Uh. years ago. You know, probably like 15 years ago at this point. I was never, like super impressed with it and watching it this time i was like damn like i, I finally uh see what everyone's been talking about, oh yeah you know oh yeah, yeah. Uh, michael mann's fingerprints are all over the dark night yeah like oh, yeah. really sure. all over it
1: and yeah. uh I, I love heat i remember i saw heat in the theater uh the day after i had gotten my wisdom teeth extracted so hmm. yeah i know right oh, I'm hyped up on drugs and I'm bleeding off and on. You know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to go watch a three-and-a-half-hour film with my brother. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just what we did. Um, but, yeah, a testament to that film was I was I was into it from beginning to end, even though I'm, you know, obviously in a slightly incapacitated state. And I adore that film. I absolutely adore Heat. Uh, that is... You know, it, and it's it's funny because Michael Mann's another one that has very quietly done revisions to his films. Yeah. And uh, gotten away with it without anybody, you know, saying, you destroyed the original. And, yeah, you can tell the differences here and there. But he, get, he gets away with that all the
0: time. But he's there, great. There are times where people complain about him destroying the original. But, I mean, the other thing is he always kind of, like, keeps the original available. I mean... I remember him. He just recently he was talking. He's like, Whoa heat, I never changed." But then he just released something where they changed like two things or something like that. But like the one that I always think of is Miami Vice, where it's like,
1: yeah, I still have to, I still have to see that. You said there's like a whole different opening, but like the theatrical version works better. But yeah, it's better as a whole when it has the like. If you, I I think you said like if you have the director's cut without the different opening,
0: it's a better film. The opening yeah. is so weak on the director's cut. Like, one of the things which struck me about that movie was, you know, Logo comes up, Universal, and then the the Jay-Z, Linkin Park mashup just crashes in with, like, a smash cut, and you are in the middle of this party, which is also, like, where there's some sort of, like, sting operation going on or whatever, and you're just in it, you know? And it's like, wow, what a great opening. And they never even show the title. It never even says Miami Vice at the start of that movie. You know, you you don't see even the title until the end of the movie. You're just in it. And I thought that that was so great. And when the director's cut came out, they have this whole thing where... um, What are the names of the characters? Crockett, and, Crockett tubs. and tubs, yeah. I can't believe I knew that. Um, they're <laughs> they're in like a uh, a little like ski jet
1: competition,
0: yeah. you know. And they're just like in like a race or whatever, like on a weekend. And then, like after the race, they're like talking about like this, you know, sting that they're going to do or something like that. And it's just like. W- w- <laughs> What are you and and it's like Miami Vice, you know, written and directed by, and it's just like why, why are you doing this? I don't get, I don't get it.
1: Well, I think that there's definitely something where, I, I guess, when you are watching footage over and over and over and over again, and you're editing and putting things together, you maybe come to that compromise moment that works really well. But then when you have time to chill out and say, oh, well, wait a minute, I can get my version here. And maybe you lose the perspective. It's sort of like, I mean, you've made allusion to this with Lucas, too, where it's like some of the changes you look at, you know, it makes sense to you because you're like, yeah, that's just that's just the sort of little tiny change that you'd make after, you know, X, Y or Z or something like that. Like it's a process change or, or you know, I, I know I'm butchering the explanation, but you you know what I'm saying. So maybe it's just that the filmmakers get way more, and I know that this will sound like a funny way to say it, but like way more dispassionate about certain things than the film viewer does. Mm-hmm. And may, I mean, is it possible that if you saw, like he saw that version first, right? Yeah. Where he has the, the jet ski race and everything like that. Maybe that's the version he fell in love with. And he's really sorry that you fell in love with that other version, but that was the version he wanted at all times to, you know, to get into. Um, so, I, you know, who, but who has somebody that would stand at their right, you know, their right hand and stop them from, you know, like when you get to the director's cut thing, is it maybe incumbent on directors to have, you know, a no person sitting next to them? Somebody well, I mean, that makes somebody that makes them fight and think through and argue for all of the stuff that they want. I would say
0: ideally it would be the editor, right? I mean, Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I guess it... and wouldn't they be involved in the director's cut?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: So before you release a director's cut,
0: shouldn't you have the editor come back in and say, no, actually, maybe this change was better this way. Oh yeah, you would hope so. I mean, I'm guessing that the, I mean, it's, it's weird because like director's cut has become, you know, the term for like extended version or whatever, but you know, like where the term comes from in the first place is like, you know, the, you know, guild or whatever has, uh, you know, negotiated that the director is, you know, contractually allowed to make their own cut before before handing it off to the studio, right? So, like, the very first thing that happens, I mean, I guess the editor maybe does an editor's cut or whatever, but then the the director goes in and makes a quote-unquote director's cut, which they hand to the studio, and then the studio's like, okay, well, we're going to change all this, you know, whatever it is, right? So, like, theoretically, I mean, every movie has a director's cut, and, but it comes earlier in the process, right? And lots of times that's not the finished cut of the movie because it is a process, you know, and everything. And, but now it's become like another, another sort of, you know, term, which, which is, it's just kind of a weird little thing that's happened, you know, over the years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think probably a lot of directors' cuts are, similar to the traditional director's cut as it's, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I um, Yeah. I, I mean, the only, I mean, the thing is there are, you can debate back and forth. I mean, direct if we're going to talk about director's cuts, I uh, have only ever watched the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven um, because I was uh, commanded to watch it. By uh, Nerd Party founder uh, Tristan Riddell, mm. and um, I've never watched a theatrical cut, and I'm almost afraid to watch the theatrical cut, specifically because I love the director's cut so
0: much. Yeah, that I don't want to see a lesser version of it. I've only seen the theatrical. Um, really? Yeah, I watched it in the theater, uh, um, and I haven't seen it since. And I know was that that's because you didn't like? Like, no, was you didn't fine. like? it? No, you didn't like it. It was fine. Hmm. I mean, if you ask me, like, what's Kingdom of Heaven about? I'm like, it's got Orlando Bloom with a sword. It was directed by Ridley Scott. <laughs> Am I right?
1: <laughs> Those things are do have to do with the film. Yes. Okay. I would invite yeah. you to watch it. I, I would really love to get your impression of the, maybe we could do some sort of thing down the road where I watch the theatrical and you watch the uh, director's and we see how our perception. I just really don't want to watch the theatrical cut, That's just fair. because. Just because I love the director's cut so much, like I don't want to sully my brain with any sort of, or or confuse anything about what happens in the two of them, because there's a whole. I know for a fact, because um, I did a little reading on it, that there there's a whole subplot in the director's cut that is completely excised from the theatrical version, but I think I and I understand why it was on an intellectual level, but on an emotional level, I never would have uh, thought to cut it. Yeah. So
0: there are a number of movies where I've never seen the theatrical cuts. I've just seen the director's cuts because if, you know, I haven't seen a movie and there is a director's cut out there, that'll be the version that I, that I watch. Sure. Sure.
1: I I've always been intrigued. I would love to see. It'll never ever happen, um, because I think isn't is John McTiernan still in prison? No, he's out of prison. He's out. Okay. I think it would be so interesting because so much time has passed, and there's such a storied, uh, you know, such a story behind the production of Last Action Hero. I'd Uh love to see McTiernan go back and like fix it.
0: That's not the movie I was thinking you were going to say.
1: Oh, what movie did you think?
0: Rollerball. Oh, I've never seen that. It's not nearly as bad as people say it is. I mean, people talk about that movie like it's the worst movie ever made. Really? And um there is like a I think an unrated version or whatever because like I remember seeing that in the theater and thinking like wow because they they cut it down. They shot it as an R and then they were like we wanted it to be PG-13. So there's like and this is, like, early aughts, you know? And there's, like, a lot of stuff where you can see that they, like, CGI'd out blood on people's faces and stuff, and it looks really bad. But, like, it, it's it, it just, I mean, like, hearing the way that he, like, talks about, like, movies and stuff like that, and I mean, especially, like, on that Die Hard commentary and the idea, like, he talked about how he he watched a lot of foreign films when he was a kid and he couldn't read the subtitles and it sort of forced him to like think about you know movies in terms of the visual storytelling and not you know sure. necessarily the dialogue and you know how he's talked about how you know the medium should abandon you know narrative structure and go for you know a more abstract emotional form like classical music does And that once once people start doing that, then that's when you'll start getting the real masterpieces and stuff like that. And you know, as crazy as it's going to sound, like I kind of see Rollerball as being like that idea in motion. Like Hmm. they kind of ruined it. Like for example, he's like I think he mentions on the Die Hard commentary. You know, like there were a lot of. You know it's supposed to be like this international thing, so there's a lot of people speaking different languages, and he wasn't going to have any subtitles at all or anything like that, but then he you know the studio the studio completely butchered that movie, but Die hard thought... no 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 rollerball okay sorry I was okay, I yeah. was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute wait a minute,
1: okay, okay okay yeah, obviously yes okay yeah uh, see it's interesting because for the people who think that um uh you know rollerball you know, would be an interesting director's cut or that it was really bad. Did they see the original? Did you see the original with James
0: Caan? I would say most people saw the original. And that was, I mean, like, I remember back at the time, they'd be like, the original is so much better. You know, this is garbage. I the didn't Original. I, the original is not, the original yeah. may be
1: remembered fondly. Yeah. But it's not. It's not what everybody makes it out to be on the whole. That's definitely, there are a lot of films, especially from the 1970s, that people look back on with distance and they're like, oh, that was so good. And it's like, "Yeah, your memory's kind of screwing with you on this one. Like, Rollerball's got some interesting concepts and it's definitely that whole dystopian future thing going on, but it is not, it's not, a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. It's, you know, it's sort of like uh, when I watch Logan's Run, and it's like, everybody talks about Logan's Run, everybody loves Logan's Run, and I'm like, yeah, the concepts behind Logan's Run are pretty cool, but that movie isn't particularly good. No, no, not a bad movie. Yeah, Yeah,
0: it's, uh, I I, I just always think it's weird. I mean, he hasn't made any movies for a really long time, but like, (laughs) there were those two back-to-back um that he made which were remakes of Norman Jewison movies What was the other one? Thomas Crown Affair? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I mean technically I guess because um 13th Warrior was delayed for so long, you know, another movie which got butchered by the studio. Like that I mean they they pulled a they pulled a solo on that one and um I think I think it was Michael Crichton who actually stepped in and redirected a lot of that movie, uncredited.
1: For what it's worth, I I haven't seen it in many years, but I remember seeing Thirteenth Warrior in the theater, and my brother and I both enjoying it a great deal
0: and saying that was yeah, actually pretty good. It's okay. It can't. It's because it came out like a week after. Thomas Crown Affair, so I always thought, like, that's so cool that he's got two movies coming out, like, a week apart, but, like, I remember seeing, and that was in August of 99, I remember seeing the trailer for, at the time, Eaters of the Dead on Titanic, Oh no, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Titanic, it was Tomorrow Never Dies, it came out the same week as Titanic, in December of 97, so that movie was in the works for a while, you know? it's interesting
1: because I guess McTiernan has a fairly storied career in terms of troubled productions. Yeah. So what is it that worked for him? Because die hard with a vengeance, the, the changed ending from the original is a mistake, but you have predator, which is an action classic from the eighties. Um, you have Die Hard, which is an action classic from the 80s. Uh, you have Die Hard with a Vengeance, but. Hunt for Red October.
0: Don't forget about that. Oh,
1: that's right. I did forget about it. Hunt for Red October.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, how do you go? How do you. You know, like this, that's a pretty serious stumble because the thing is, last action hero happened before Die Hard 3. So Die Hard 3 was like, okay, yeah, he's back in the saddle. He's got it. Didn't I mean, it last, did, no last action hero was 93. Yeah,
0: so that was before Die Hard. Yeah,
1: Die, Die Hard Die Hard with a Vengeance was um
0: yeah. what was that? 95? 96? Yeah. I think it was 95. Um it yeah, I mean he had some some duds in there in between like Medicine Man, right? I, I was okay. That was I mean it wasn't
1: I didn't find it bad. I found it interesting enough to make up
0: for some of its flaws, you know. But like Thomas Crown Affair, I mean, that doesn't get any credit, but that movie's excellent. I think that's it one is. of his best. Uh, and, you're right. And then, you know, he, I think his last movie was Basic, and that movie was good, too.
1: Oh, that's right, with Travolta,
0: right? Yeah, and Sam yeah. Jackson, right?
1: Yes, that was good, and it has a really good turn in it, too.
0: It's like, if I'm not mistaken, it's like kind of like a Rashomon thing, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, it's yeah. too too bad that he's uh, he's not making movies anymore. Yeah.
1: yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess once you, uh, uh, what did he go to jail for? Tax like evasion,
0: wiretapping, or something like that. Why? What? what? I just I don't I don't get it, man. I, it, I don't so, it sounds like a whole. I I don't know. I I don't know the whole story. But I know that there was like kind of like a plea from a number of people saying like. He, he should have never gone to jail for this. You know, this is not, a, I don't know any specifics about any of it, but I think a lot of people feel like he was kind of made an example of or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, you know, but. Yeah, you yeah. know. That'd be interesting to see a John
1: McTiernan Star Wars movie. That'd be cool. Everybody, everybody, oh, no, you know what? You want to bring him back
0: into the fold? Have him do a Marvel movie. I see. I don't know if I want like I I want to see him do some sort of like you know, mid level action movie. You know, I mean like Predator. I mean, I don't particularly like Predator, but you know, even that his sci fi movie, it's like based on Earth. You know, it's like just in the jungle. Yeah. Like I I like the idea that he's like really good at like action, and not, not so much. Like the I, crazy CGI stuff, but...
1: I think that with, uh, you know, although actually because I'm thinking about it because we're sitting here, we're talking about his classics and we're talking about Predator and Trouble Productions and everything. That's right. Predator actually had a different creature design than Jean-Claude Van Damme in the suit originally.
0: Jean-Claude I, Van Dam was in the suit?
1: That is, that is what I have read for many years because there are shots that have gotten out uh, or maybe they're on some release, and I just don't own the release or whatever. But I've seen pictures of the alternate creature design that they were shooting with, supposedly. And it, every time I've seen it, they say uh, JCVD was in the suit, hmm. um, and then they swapped everything out because the original creature design is pretty weak, actually. The
0: but oh, so but he's that... not—he's not in the finished movie.
1: No. Okay. No, as I understand it, no because uh, the, the, the suit looks completely different. And Jean Claude Van Damme is shorter <laughs> than than the creature tur- turned out being. Although I can say that I have been in the presence of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I was stunned by the fact that he was not bigger than he was. Yeah. Like I, I'm not saying that to be disrespectful or anything, but it was one of those things where it was like I was like, oh my gosh, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's kind of short, yeah. you know, like, it, it, like I was like, oh, he's my height. Oh, OK, because you just get this image in your brain that he's, you know, like a six and a half foot tall behemoth that, uh, you know, Coney and the Barbarian sort of thing going on. It's like, no, he's
0: he's just a really fit, normal size guy. OK, that, that, that seems to be like a thing with like actors compared to like athletes who you look at them and you're like, oh, OK. Like, oh, look at how tiny that guy is, and you see him in real life, and he's still taller than you are, you know, whatever. Yes,
1: yeah. You're, you're, like, standing at his shoulder, and... That, uh,
0: there is one more McTiernan movie, which he made, you know, um, his, his very first movie. It was Nomads with uh, Pierce Brosnan. Um, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, a French anthropologist specialized in research of nomadic groups moves to los angeles with his wife and starts following a group of sinister street punks who seem to live and move around in a black van but they aren't what they seem it's 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 kind of a weird fingers like, crossed yeah. for vampires are they vampires no i don't think so ah. but there is some sort of like weird thing going on there i, I don't know it, it's it's kind of got like a yeah but it's 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 good
1: it's good. Oh. I recommend it. So that was his first film.
0: How many films had he done before he got to uh, Predator? That was the year before Predator. So really, yeah, it was Nomads, Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, Medicine Man, Last Action Hero, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Thomas Crown Affair, Thirteenth Warrior, Rollerball, and Basic. That's it.
1: Huh. Well, that's it's a it's a good career, man. Yeah, it's a good career, man, yeah. for sure. So, yeah. Well, uh, if anybody wants to discuss uh, McTiernan's career or anybody else's career or Billy D. Williams coming back with you,
0: where can they find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me on my website, com, doing a show called Film Damage.
1: Where his co-host ponders murder. <laughs> and you can find me online at Kessel Junkie on Twitter, and you can find me right here on the network co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations with Matthew Rushing or out there Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. So thank you for joining us this week, and until next week, the balcony is closed. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.